clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. See how I switch it all up there again? Keeping you guessing, keeping you guessing. Uh, Creative marvel, really. (laughs) I know, I know, look, I see me every day. Even there are moments where I am just, I boggle my own mind with my creative whim and like you regularly bought you regularly boggle mine so (laughs) makes two of us thanks doc and we're back folks hope you had a wonderful holiday season with your family and uh, we know it's not easy because of all of the craziness going on in the world but we hope you found a little bit of pleasure like we were talking about in our holiday episode that the doc gave so many great tips and still so impressed that she edited herself well enough to be able to say i'm gonna wrap this up i was like oh shocked bewildered amazing kind of turn over a new leaf for the new year you know absolutely and we're very excited because we are prepping for season two of the University yeah. of Pleasure. We have been able to keep this rolling even in the midst of a global pandemic. Kudos to us, yeah. Doc. Kudos. Kudos indeed. All right. I'm excited. So we hope you are all safe and healthy. Thank you all those out there that are keeping us safe and healthy. Hopefully those vaccines have all gotten to all of the uh, frontline first responders who are out there taking care of everybody. And uh, that you have a little bit more help now and have a little bit of a bright future to look forward to as we all do. And today's topic. And I've got one too. <laughs> the second half you don't know about. Mm-mm. You wait. I'm so confused. Do you have a second topic today? Yes, I do. It's okay. We're going to do yours first. <clears throat> it's oh, almost good. like Christmas oh, all good. over again. I love a, I love a Jeremiah surprise. <laughs> Knew you would. The Illusion of Normal Redefining sexual health to include the typical, atypical, and everything in between. Doc, I have no idea what this is about, so please (laughs) explain. I love that you read nothing that I send you until the moment you get here. Listen, I need to be free. I can't be, I can't be, like, tied 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 down, down, beholden to notes and research preparation you know like i just i like to be able to be like accurate information doc if i read every little piece of stuff that you sent me okay first of all take me forever you'd be you'd be prepared is the answer to that question (sighs) prepared not prepared tomato tomato you know what i'm saying so the thing is yeah exactly so what i'm getting at is i like to be free i don't want our audience to think that I'm doing a you know stuff that I'm reading. Of course, I know stuff. They know I know stuff. You all know I know stuff. <laughs> How dare you? I'm merely saying I don't want to sit and read from some script. It's just literally, and I've said it before, like it Tropic Thunder, where he's like, I literally the script. I don't read the script. Script reads me. Like that. That's how I feel, and I think that it that is, is not my a truth. It is. And li- you I can't just tell me it's not that. my truth. No. You can't tell me it's I not need- my truth. I'm not telling you what your truth is. I'm telling everyone my truth. My truth is that I send Jeremiah a literal just bullet point. It's just bullet points. It's a lot of words on a page. It's like one page of bullet points. Absolutely, there is no script. And that is what he is taking issue is reading. It's a lot. One page of 14 font bullet points. In which I will bold things and say, Jeremiah, read this. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, I have told you my style of working and you agreed to it. So listen. I don't think that is what I agreed to. Listen, I don't want to have a fight in front of our fans. 
I'm just saying. We do saying. it every episode. We do it every episode. So, True. I mean, you're right. We should start off the new year a little better. Let's Good call. get it together. Let's get it together here. I don't know what you're talking about, so explain it to myself and all of our millions of fans, please. Yeah, so this, you know, this is like a theme that we have talked about in and out of uh, episodes, right? But, you know, this idea of normal and how people often use uh, kind of the idea of normal to define sexual health. Right. And the goal today, right, if I, I'm going to like, you know, do like a spoiler alert. My goal today would be if people are done, like when they're done with this podcast, done listening, provided they've stuck around for the whole thing, right, <laughs> um, would be that they leave saying that what is and isn't normal has no impact on if something may or may not be healthy, that those two things are not synonymous. Normal doesn't necessarily equal sexual health. Something being atypical doesn't necessarily mean that something is unhealthy or healthy, right? That the idea, divorcing the idea of normativity and sexual health. All right. And I will get into that. And it might sound a little complicated, but it's really not. See why I didn't read it? Way too complex. So let's deep dive. And you can explain I like it that to your me solution now. for dealing. I like that your solution for dealing with complex things is just to ignore them. <laughs> I live in the modern age, okay? I can't sit and watch an hour-long newscast. That's why I love the internet, because then it shows me, like, the three-minute clip that I need to see that's important, and then I'm like, I'm totally informed. Let's move on. And it's a totally verbal informed. bullet point. It's not something I have to sit and read. I haven't read something. I don't know when the last time I was I read a book, but this isn't about me, okay? I might write books. Does mean I read books. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, I sure. You look befuddled. We're not getting off. We're not getting off on the right foot this All year. Right, well, All let's right, get let's... into this: the illusion of normal, redefining sexual health, including the typical, atypical, and everything in between. Okay. Hit us. Well, why? Okay. Why does this idea of normal matter? Well, because one of the most common questions that I get in my office when people have concerns around sexual health is, "Can you guess, Jeremiah?" No. No. Is this normal? Oh, yes. I'm with that was my second answer. You weren't listening, were you? I was totally listening. <laughs> okay. Uh yes. One of the most common questions I get in my office is, is this normal? Why do people want to know if something is normal? Well, people typically want to know that something is normal because culturally and now different family systems and different cultural groups within the broader culture might have differences. But right. as, as a trend, culturally, we have sent a lot of messages that if something isn't perceived as normal, then somehow that makes it unhealthy. That's right? true. And, you know, if I may say, this is something that, you know, you sent me a couple of books, and I've talked about them before, to actually prepare me for this. And I did not read them. I listened to them. But that is, happened. I'll take it. I'll okay. take it. And they were absolutely fantastic. And we were talking about it actually before we started recording that you had sent me that one. And and it was really about, you know, what is normal, what is right, what is okay. And you know what, I, what I've come to find with all of this, Doc, and learning so much from you, which I do all the time, and I tell people that all the time. People are like, oh, I love your podcast. I'm like, listen, she's a rock star. And I know we make a lot of jokes here and everything, but she really is so brilliant. And I learned so much just being a part of this podcast. But what I've come to really find, like from you, Doc, specifically, is that really what is normal? Like, what is normal? You know what I mean? Like, there's, I guess, what people say normal is, but it's kind of like, I get the feeling that more than anything, we talk about these things and it's like, it's really whatever works for you. That there really isn't a wrong, bad answer as long as everybody is, you know, on the same page and, you know, respecting boundaries and all that sort of thing. And so... This is great. I'm I'm digging it. Even though I didn't read the bullet points, I'm digging what you're saying. I'm with you. I'm on board. How about that? Thank you, Jeremiah. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. But am I um, saying that right thing? It's like the, the, the normal, I mean, yeah. like there's I like mean, societal I norms. Like I know right. that. And, and you know what? I will get into that in, the, in a hot minute, actually. So, so I'm sorry. I was jumping I, ahead because much, I didn't read it. You are jumping ahead. But so you just gave the three minute version right but what i would like to do is to jump in deeper see, right but you that's know what me. see but this is what i do see man you you yeah. just we just i condensed it down for the yeah. interweb and i appreciate that however sometimes 
going underneath and beyond the three minute explanation is important to help people really integrate and understand things on a different level. You got to remember, me. I'm a psychologist, man. Yeah, so totally. <laughs> my whole job is about like, hey, let's dig in a little deeper because the deeper you dig, the more you tend to understand things. And the more you understand things, the more you're able you're able to integrate them, right? We've talked a lot before on this show that there is a difference between intellectually understanding an idea and actually integrating it, right? So right. integrating it means like you believe it, right? Like you feel it. You believe it in your heart. You feel it in your chest. You're like, that feels true to me versus like, I know I'm supposed to think this, but I really don't feel that way, right? Okay. And and that's why I think continuing to develop a deeper understanding really helps with that process. So as I was saying, one of the most common questions people ask, right, is, is this normal? And I don't really judge that question. I get why people ask that. I, people ask that because of this association we've made, that if something's normal, it means it's healthy. Of course. And if it's not normal, then it's not healthy. But it is so much more complicated than that, right? And, you know... It is a problem, a big problem. Why? Because when people feel, even if they're not right, but when people feel that they are behaving in things that aren't normal, it creates- They feel dirty, they a, feel bad. Yeah, it creates a lot of shame. Yeah, shame. A lot of isolation mm -hmm. and distress. And that, and people like often tend to really seek that normalization, right? Like, is what I'm doing normal? Okay, if it's normal, then it's okay. Right. And when I say it's much more more complicated than that, I mean, it's much more complicated than that. So if it's cool with you, Jim, uh, I'm going to dig that level deeper. Do it. Yeah. All right. So I promise it's not too complicated, but it, is, it, it gets a little complicated, but it's super important. So I'll try to break it down. There is a difference between what is culturally normal. So we'll call that cultural normativity and what is statistically normative. So statistical normativity. Cultural normativity is what we as a culture or within any culture believe is normal. Got it. What we think is normal. What we have said is normal. And typically that's based on value systems, okay? Mm -hmm. What is statistically normal, Normative is a term that comes out of statistics, all right? So some of you out there have taken statistics, some of you have not, but a lot of people have heard of the normative curve, right? So like the bell curve, people have heard about that before. I mean, all that I didn't take statistics, so I think I know what the bell curve is, but it doesn't matter, continue. I'll explain a little bit, all right? So really, what is statistically normative, right? Like, so when you look at statistics, it's really just looking at like a certain set of data in a certain area. Let's say it's like height or shoe size or how many people masturbate and how often they masturbate, right? It's just looking at where do the majority of people fall, okay? okay. And there's much more complicated statistics than that, but I'm not gonna go into them because, well, we don't have visuals, so. <laughs> yeah, I need <laughs> visuals. Yeah, this is the best that I can describe. But basically think of it like when you actually look at the data and you start looking at percentages of the group you're measuring, where do most people fall? That is what is statistically normative, right? Okay. Here's the problem. When it comes to sex, we have all sorts of cultural beliefs based on value systems and just how we feel on what is normal. But the problem of that is what we think of as culturally normative around sex is very, very narrow, right? Right. And it's historically been And we've talked about very, that. We've talked about yeah. that a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's historically been very, very narrow. And in more recent years, as um, people have done more and more sex research and found better ways to measure that, what we really are finding is that what we think of as culturally normative in sex and people's sexual behaviors and interests and arousals, comparative to statistically what you see as normal, as in when you actually look at the data, what people say, what kind of pornography they're looking at and what they're fantasizing about, what people are searching for and what they're saying they're doing with partners and themselves, what we understand culturally as, nor as normal isn't even close <laughs> to what we're seeing as not even, statistically not even, normative. Can't even, right? It can't be. Like It can't be. Right. Because like, so for instance, here's a very good example. So if you go, as some people may have, to Pornhub, all right, and you go to the first page, right, like the home page, it will not take you many clicks, if even a click, to get to a lot of themes of, let's say something like, and this stuff makes people uncomfortable, but to talk about, but you might go to Pornhub, 
How frequently, Jeremiah, would you say that on Pornhub you might see themes that would be maybe referred to as incest, meaning like light incest, meaning uh, stepmother with adult stepson? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, all, tons of it, tons of it. Tons of it, all the time. Now, if you were walking on the street and asked somebody, hey, do you think it's normal for a uh, stepmother to have sex with their stepson? Nope. Yeah, what do you think people would say? They would be like, <laughs> nope. 100% no, right. now, definitely now not normal, mind, that is wrong, it's bad, it's this, it's that, it's that. Right. Now, keep in mind, it probably would be statistically abnormal for that to be happening. Right. However, if you were to even say to somebody, do you think that it's normal for someone to fantasize about that? Oh, no. Do you think people would people, people would probably... Some people would say, maybe, but a lot of people would still say, no. Correct. But if but you they, go to Pornhub... If you go to Pornhub and you see the searches, you're going to see a lot of that. And I mean... You don't even have to search for it. It's like in the homepage often, right? <laughs> so, like, that would be a really good example, right? right? Like, what people think of as normal versus, like, let's say in fantasy. That's a good one around fantasy, right? right? So what somebody might say is statistically normative based on data we have around, like, maybe what type of themes of pornography people might look to based on what you might think people fantasize about, there's a lot of gaps, right? right. right. And right. so basically the whole point of all of that is people are, we're still learning so much and gathering so much data about what people might like or be interested in and what arouses them. And is like, ultimately we have some statistical ideas of what like a statistical normative by me might be, but honestly, that's always changing. Why? Because what is quote unquote statistically normal or culturally normal is always historically and culturally relative. And here's what I mean by this. This is part of that book, Perv, yep. Sexual Which Deviant and All genius. of Us by Jesse Baring. So it's called Perv, the Sexual Deviant and All of Us, written by Jesse Baring, who wrote it a few years ago. It's, you know, it's 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 a book that's sort and of I about some to of the these whole ideas. book. The doc Good told job. me that I needed to do some research. And I said, I only do it through audiobooks. And she said, that's fine. And I listened in the car. I listened while I was doing other projects. He is, first of all, I got to say this, he is one of the best authors who then read his own book for the audiobook. It is so great. He's brilliant. If you have a chance to check it out, please do so. Because a lot of what the doc is talking about today, he talks a lot about different things. And it's really cool. He's great. I yeah, just, I want to say, yeah, I, I give it five stars. Yeah, I mean, and there's some things in the book that I might like agree with or not agree with, but for the most part, it's a really good primer on sort of this idea of norm normativity, what's normal being culturally and historically relative. And what do I mean by that? What we consider normal is based on where you're at in history and where you're geographically located and other contextual factors. So here's a good example. Probably not more than 50 years ago in this country, you could marry someone who was 13. Now, that's a sex crime. Correct. Right? That is historically relative, meaning that it, what is normal is relative to where you're at in history. Yep. Right? Most of us would not be here without incest. Right? It used to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, well, I it's mean, really it's kind of fucked up to say, but it's true. 100% true. Right? Like, so you think about, and even in certain countries, right? Like Countries, cultures. All right, continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, so like in incest, like certain countries and cultures still might, it might be socially acceptable or even expected that you marry a cousin, right? right. Like if you look at like, good Lord, the monarchy in England, I mean... <laughs> you Please. had lots of relatives marrying each other, right? Like cousins, I mean, at some points in history, siblings, right? So like there's all sorts of sort of history there that makes it's relative. What was normal was relative to where people are historically, but okay. also it's cultural, right? So for instance, if you look at maybe what types of pornography tend to be popular here in the United States, and then you maybe look at what type of popular type of pornography is popular in let's say somewhere like Japan, right? themes here that we might see as like ab like deviant or strange or atypical might be very normal in japan or in yeah, certain you watch some of that japanimation right. is like people having sex with like octopus and stuff like that like it's crazy not to people that <laughs> that's the thing right so that's right that's really... the thing but that's what i'm saying like to us it's weird to you right to you that might feel out there atypical. but to them Although it's I like yeah, that's, that's a wednesday right so what you're talking about it's 
also just sort of, as a side note, that might be, there are certain types of things called hentai, right? Hentai might be some drawn pornographic illustrations. Uh, tentacle pornography might be within hentai. There you go. And there is a, there is a, a, a lot more people in the U.S. watching that. So I just oh, okay. do want to say that. All right. Well, I'm, I would just say, you know, based on things that we know, I was, you know, that may be very normative there, but here it may be a little bit different, just culturally speaking and country-wise right. based on what are, you're saying. But right, but things but things are always changing. Like, so that's a really good example, right? Like, so something that um, might have been normative in Asia, but not here, but now with the advent of the internet, we have more access to international things. Then that starts to change what is normal statistically here. That's my whole point, exactly. right? Is that what is kind of quote unquote normal is always changing based on history, based on location, based on time, based on a lot of contextual factors. Why does that matter? Well, because that means that it's completely arbitrary, right? <laughs> yeah, right. There totally. is no such tr like thing as a true normal, right? It is rel it is relative to where you're at, what group you're measuring it in. There is no true normal. And that's very important, right? Because a lot of people have been taught and feel like there is some true normal that they're supposed to be living by in terms of their sexual selves and their sexual lives. And if they're not hitting that mark, then, then they can't be healthy sexual people. If I may say, and, and I want to, this is a genuine question, because like when I was growing up, a lot of shame, obviously, around like uh, masturbation, for instance, right? And when you were a little kid, you think you're totally not normal. Like you're doing something that like maybe wrong, really mm -hmm. bad, or that. But in reality, it's totally normal, right? Right. So you know what I guess what we're getting at is like it, it's all relative to who you are or the situation, and but it, it doesn't make it bad. Like maybe it may you may think that other people aren't doing something, but they might be, and there might be more people out there than you believe. So your normal may not be someone else's normal. Am I making sense here? You are, and I think, uh, but I think that part of it is even oh, here's here's where it starts to like. Now a level deeper. Are we going right? off the rails? No, but it's it it is a good segue for the next level of this, right? That okay, maybe you discovered that something that you thought was abnormal is quite normal, and that makes you feel better. But in 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 my dream world, right? <laughs> in my dream world, people wouldn't use normal or abnormal as a measurement for whether or not something's healthy in any direction, right? So there let's talk is. a little bit about the idea of deviance, what deviance means. Jeremiah, quick quiz. When I say deviant, what's the first, give me some of the first things that pop into your mind. Deviant, bad, deviant. wrong. Um, something that would make people think that you were a, 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 an abnormal, not good person kind of a thing. If you were deviant, it would be negative. I'm just saying that's what people would think. Yeah, I don't think a, that because I've been educated by the doc. Right. Negative. You might hear pervert. Pervert. Right? Virgin, yeah. Like right? the book you, you gave me, perv. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's very rare that the word deviant is associated with something super positive. Right. Right. Unless someone has, and kudos to if you have found a word, found ways to take back that word and redefine it. But for most people, it usually means something fairly negative or it has negative connotations. But let's just pause because this is important. Right. I'm going to go back to statistics, but really quickly. Right. So when something is not statistically normative, what that is called is that it it's a deviation from the norm, meaning right. that it is not as typical. Right. And there are different levels of that. Something might be one standard deviation from the norm or two standard deviations from the norm or three. And the more standard deviations from the norm, it just means the less typical it is. Right. So the more rare sure, sure. it becomes. Right. Now, let's take somebody like LeBron James. Yes. Okay. I'm going to say this and please don't sue me because I'll get to the point. LeBron James is a deviant. Yes, okay? he is. hundred <laughs> percent. And I know where you're going with this. I know you're going yes. with this. Why He's is deviant. LeBron James a deviant because he's not the norm in like basketball world he's like outrageously great so he's not normal in even in the basketball world he's he goes against the norm of being good at basketball he's like right. super exceptional so that makes him a deviant how'd i do right yes See, i don't and need to read also... shit i don't need to read shit i am a <laughs> genius uh, okay um also right he's super duper tall right He's a deviant and oh, that, yeah, that he's, what, I don't know, I, how tall is he? I don't know. It's, he's he's like insanely feet tall. tall. I have no idea. Right. So definitely deviates from the norm, right? Yep. All the term deviant means is that something deviates from the norm. But that deviation might be something 
that we culturally value is really positive. Like, so for instance, somebody that's really, really smart intelligence is a deviation from the norm. If you're someone that's like, I'm above average intelligence, congratulations, you're a deviant. Right? There you go. Like, and so, and we have talked really... about this in past podcasts, not so in depth, I would say, but yeah, we definitely have talked about it in past. We've episodes. mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it, I think it's such an important idea that deviance also doesn't mean that something is bad, but when it comes to sex, for whatever reason, historically, we have been very scared of things that deviate from the norm. So even if, let's say somebody has, I don't know, some type of fetish, right, that deviates from the norm, it's very specific, I don't know, let's say that they have a foot fetish, but only with uh, feet that are less than a size five with cisgender women, who knows, whatever, right? Super specific. That might deviate from the norm, but provided that somebody has found a way to engage in that, like I can think of clients I've had over the years, right? That has found a way to engage in that in a way that feels healthy, sustainable. If they're interested in partners, have found ways to um, like engaging in that with partners, have found ways to negotiate that with partners that feel healthy and fun. That there's nothing about that quote unquote statistical deviance that means that it's unhealthy. There right? we go. So just because something isn't standard doesn't mean it's unhealthy. And also, here's where it gets a real mind tricky for people. Just because an interest is quote unquote normal doesn't necessarily make it mean that it's healthy. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, we yeah. were talking about it in that in, in our episode a couple of episodes ago. Uh, with the person who wrote in with the um, uh, difficulty in their in their relationship and the abuse, which again, hard episode to get through. Uh, but for those of you who may have uh, connected with it and listened to it, you know there are things like uh, at one point I learned about a husband stitch that may have been something that was normal for a long time, where doctors would tell people to do that, right? And but that's not necessarily mean that it was healthy. How about that? Yeah. I mean, that would be one iteration, an example of that. Another would be that like, sometimes people can do things like, let's say someone has, I don't know, like people know, we've talked about vanilla sex a lot. People right. tend to have it, you know, like kind of vanilla sex, uh, often intercourse, pretty standard stuff that doesn't feel very out there for people. Right. But a couple things. One, somebody could be engaging in sex like that in very problematic ways, right? Like, let's say they're engaging in it in a way where they feel really bad about it, or they're doing it in a way that's maybe compulsive for them or causes them problems, right? Like, just because it's a, a quote-unquote normal interest doesn't mean that it can't end up being unhealthy for a person. Secondly, sometimes if people are like, well, I need to be normal to be, like, what's normal is healthy for me, but that's not sort of who they are sexually, that actually can end up being really unhealthy. Let's, so let's say somebody is just pretty kinky, right? And that's what's authentic for them, right? Like that's kind of like they've just never been interested in like vanilla, right, uh, kind of sex, or maybe they're not somebody that's typically aroused by body parts, like primary and secondary sex characteristics. So like breast, vagina, penis, you know, testicles, things like that. But maybe they're more attracted to other body parts or things that may be seen as atypical, right? If you try to tell someone, well, you can only like they, that, like, all right, well, then you need to fit that normal for them, for that person. If that's not an authentic fit and trying to make that fit might actually end up being really problematic. Right. So, for instance, I've had, sense. yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had a lot like, oh, let's take monogamy. Right. We've talked before yes. like about monogamy. So let's take monogamy. Right. Perfect. So perfect. example. Yeah. So monogamy is something that for right i think statistically would be seen like statistically might be normative but also although it's becoming less so right and culturally definitely would yep. be seen as normative yep. right however you have a lot of people who have talked about how monogamy feels like a really bad fit for them right it doesn't feel sustainable they've so always seen an example where norm could be hurtful or difficult for somebody. Right. Because if somebody's trying to basically make a shoe fit that just doesn't fit, that might actually end up being unhealthy for that person. There you go. And so that's really more of this idea. So it's just as like, it, it's the thing that is, there is no like 
this is like one version of this is what healthy sexuality looks like, right? And I know I've said that before, but it's incredibly important, right? I think this was a really good deep dive. I think this was a really good way to explain that, you know, that what what you you were saying. I don't want to babble on in the Jeremiah way that I normally (laughs) would, but no, I think this was a really good deep dive. Norm doesn't necessarily mean right. And norm and abnormal or deviance don't necessarily mean wrong. You know, it's really what works for you and finding a healthy way to uh, uh, be sexual, whatever works for you. Right. And also being aware of what doesn't, right? Like you can make something that's typical or atypical unhealthy if you're doing it in a way that's not sustainable or isn't realistic or doesn't feel authentic to you, et cetera. Right. And so, you know, or let's say, you know, you're trying to like, be a person that's trying to live within a certain value system, but maybe that value system just really is not combining well with what you want sexually, right? So like, let's say somebody has like um, a particular set of sexual values and it's just not matching or pairing well with like, you know, a desire to masturbate or to be sexual with other people or, you know, just things that might not be very realistic. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes that just means that people are going to have to do a little more complex work, a little more complex thinking about what sexual health might actually mean for them. It's incredibly individualized. And that was all a very wordy way of saying that. So there you go. Very well done. And when we come back, folks, I'm going to drop my surprise on the dock. Be ready. I'm, I'm worried. When we come back. And we're back, folks, with the Doc Surprise. We did a segment, I want to say, a month and a half ago, Doc, where I found uh, some sexual health books from um, our history, meaning like the 80s, the 90s. And then I tried to get you to comment on the advice given. And I told you that I was going to do another segment for you. And today... It's oh, that God, segment. did you find more? Oh, did Doc. Find- <laughs> oh, Doc. Good advice, bad advice. Volume two, dropping it in the Doc's lap. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this makes me so nervous every time. <laughs> Where your old pal, Jeremiah James, finds sexual help books, and the Doc has to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. And here we go. And really, Doc... This was kind of easy for me because I know how much you liked the first segment and you specifically liked that author. Oh, my God. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, not only was there a Light His Fire by Miss Ellen Creedman, but there is also a Light Her Fire. Did you Uh, know that? Sadly, I was aware, but I just... I didn't mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tuned into the old Google machine and I got it here for you. Light Her Fire by Ellen Creedman, circa 1992. Uh, Are you ready for some of my favorite passages? Now, I know we all talk about that I don't read, but for moments like these, to really just irritate the doc a little bit. It's I love it to me. think of you listening to the audiobook of Light Her Fire. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so I'm going to read the first one, and uh, I want to hear what the doc thinks. So here we go. The title of this piece is, and I know you're going to love this, Men are Biological, Women are Psychological. Oh my God. It's usually a man who ultimately teaches a woman that her body is beautiful and something to be proud of and enjoy. He also teaches her to become more physical, to enjoy sex, to relax and have fun. Okay, one hot stop. (laughs) What? Doc, I'm not even a paragraph. This is the first paragraph. Oh, that's rough for me. Jeremiah, that is rough for me. Mm. 
This is like torture. I just, you I, know, I'm so happy that I'm such a teacher in life for all of the women I've been with. God. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Helen, you, you're a little, yeah. I, I don't think it's the that money. S- I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think it's that simple. Uh, I do think, you know, that would indicate that women don't have the capacity to build their own sexual sense of self, that they would need a man to do that beyond that. It would assume that every woman is heterosexual and that if you're not heterosexual, then I guess you never get a sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) I guess lesbians will never get one because they don't have a man to teach them. Doc, I have there, some problems I, so I'm far. just getting started. You're going okay, to need well, to let me read. I'm like, I'm not even halfway through the first paragraph. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. It's just going to be so mad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> this is so a natural way for a man. Because most of his life, he reacts in a physical way. A man gets sexually aroused by looking at magazines, X-rated movies, or long legs. His response is immediate, and his reactions tend to be physical. If a man is a truly great lover, he has been taught tenderness, understanding, appreciation, sensitivity, and patience. For a woman, sex is not an immediate reaction. It's usually a decision she makes mentally, not physically, when she is in the mood for sex. Most women have to give themselves permission to get aroused sexually. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? What is happening? Do you have to give yourself permission? (laughs) For a woman... If there is not a feeling of closeness, caring, and understanding, she will not respond in the bedroom. Her mind is in control of her body. Sally Pause. did a good... One second. Well, no, no. What? What? I, I was just Read putting that... it to the meat. <laughs> I don't understand. Read that sentence again. What? For a woman, if there is not a feeling of closeness, caring, and understanding, she will not respond in the bedroom. Her mind is in control of her body. I mean, everyone's mind is control of their body. You need a brain. Automaton. Like you're so much. I knew that this was going to make your skin crawl. Like oh, I literally was like, so hard. Gonna, when I read that, I was like, oh. My, if this is not the anti-doc, I don't know. (laughs) This also like assumes, can I just say, this assumes that like, yeah, some people need to have this. I think Ellen's argument is that women need more of an emotional context in order to be able to feel sexual, which may be true for some women, also true for some men, also true for people that are non-binary or don't identify as cisgender. And there are lots of women or any people that really can just kind of be up for things without needing to be in some particular emotional context. There you go. There you go. See? Look at you. I just get, I take issue with this. I Keep know. going. Hang on a second because there's, there's examples. We need to go talk. There's more, okay? Oh my gosh. Sally did a good job of summing up many women's feelings when she told the class, all Jerry ever wanted was sex. He never talked or even held me. In fact, he stopped kissing too. When I turned off to, sorry, when I turned off to making love, he called me frigid. Then he took light her fire and became a tender, loving, and warm man instead of a mechanical robot. Now I'm turned on again. I just can't separate sex from our relationship. They are the same thing to me. What do you think? Uh, I can understand. I'm trying. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to be more diplomatic. All right. I can understand how maybe for some people, some of the things that Ellen Creedman is suggesting might resonate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Yes, it may very for well could. Some people. What I take issue with is, and I understand this is dated. All right. 
But what I take issue with is Alan's assertion that all, like pretty much all or most, right? Like it's a pretty strong assertion that like most men are this way. This was my issue with the last book, Jeremiah, which is why <laughs> he probably dug this one out, right? Is of some half price book somewhere, I'm sure. And you are torturing me with it because it's just so reductionistic. It's so reductionistic of gender. It's also really heterocentric, right? Like it's making a lot of assumptions, right? Like all women are this way. And it's also assuming like everybody's straight. Well, don't you worry. I've got more bits for you. Okay. Right. Fine. Fine. Let's get it over with. (laughs) These are just little, little tidbits. I want the thumbs up. I want the thumbs down doc. I know it's not your jam, but I really, I I, I think some of these are going to get a lot of thumbs up. I I think it's going to be, you're going to really, this is going to resonate with you. Okay. The first one is just a little tidbit here. Create a serial highway. <laughs> what do you mean serial? How is serial spelt? <laughs> spelled, not spelt. Good Lord. Spelled. C-E-R-E-A-L. So cereal, like like Captain Crunch. Like Captain Crunch. Eating oh my God. cereal. Create a cereal highway. Yes, cereal highway. We are clear. Okay. The advice is, buy a very sexy nightgown, wrap it in a small package, and hide it in a cereal box or any other place she'd least expect to find such an item. What do you think of that advice, Doc? <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Here's my thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like in my head, all I can imagine is like someone going to like eat. I don't. They're like really excited about some Frosted Flakes, and then. They like dump the box and just this like super heavy duct tape wrapped <laughs> <laughs> package just like thumps on the <laughs> counter, right? We gotta like open it and then there's just like some shitty like, you know, Kmart negligee mm-hmm. hanging out in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, and... no, dis- no disrespect to Kmart. They had a very lovely Kathy Ireland collection for they a long did. time. They so did. Good old Kathy Ireland. She's no disrespect. Beautiful woman. I love and, and Necessary Roughness, the movie. She was the kicker. She was great. Great in that yeah. film. Anyway, thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Cereal I am, box? I, I can't. You know that I don't like giving thumbs up or thumbs down anyway. But do I like the idea of uh, uh, surprises and, uh, you know, keeping things fresh? Yes. I will say... That I think the context matters. Do you know your partner likes these kind of surprises? Because I've also worked with a whole lot of people that when their partner, we've talked about this before in episodes, when their partner's like, hey, I bought you lingerie or I bought you a sex toy, where they're actually like, that just feels like pressure. Right. Right. Where people are like, like, this is sort of a maybe, but know your partner. I don't know that I'd take a cereal box, you know? Well, my problem like, with it, Doc, is that who says that she doesn't like cereal? Like, what the hell? Like, what, what is Are we cereal shaming women now? Yeah, are they not allowed we... to eat cereal? Do they not like? I know lots of women who love I'm just not eating lie. cereal. If I was, I love, what are they, what are they called? There's Re- Reese's Pieces Puffs. Ooh, and they're yeah. like, and they're like a treat for me, like a dessert, because I'm not yeah. a tiny child, so I don't eat sugar <laughs> cereal. <laughs> For breakfast. Um, but like every once in a while, I'll like let myself have that as like a dessert. And if I was like real jazzed up about that, and then I was like, these are gone. And there's <laughs> just some lingerie here. I'd be upset. Okay. <laughs> you all heard it. But other people might be surprised. But this is definitely, I would put this under the category of maybe, but know your partner. Know your partner. The doc says, thumb up, thumb down. No, you're, and I can say that for her because I know her so well now. I can interpretate, interpret, interpret, interpret. Thank interp- you. Her thought processes, the ups and downs, and this is a thumb up, thumb down. Possibly, know your partner. Thumb up, thumb down for the doc. I got another one for you. Be artistic. Okay. Be artistic. Be artistic. Okay. Okay. Give her a collage as a present. (laughs) This can really bring out your creative ability. Get magazines and cut out pictures and sayings that have personal meaning for the two of you. 
arrange them, overlapping and at different angles, glue your collage to a poster board, and have it framed professionally. You won't believe how fantastic it looks when it's done. The fun part will be sharing it with her. Why you chose specific words and pictures. Now, I'm excited to think, Doc. I mean, arts and crafts. You know the thing that lights my fire? Doing some arts and crafts from my woman. You know? Well, that's supposed to light her fire, really. Can I, may I? Please. Quick question, Jeremiah. When have you ever seen a collage made from a magazine outside of an art museum that's made at home with some Elmer's glue that looks <laughs> that real looks good? really good. You'd be surprised how good it looks, Doc. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Well, I, <laughs> I'm just thinking of collages I made in like eighth grade. I'm like, oh. Like, I, I don't know why in my head I keep thinking of Pinterest fails, yes. you know, where mm -hmm. someone's like, look at this beautiful cake I'm going to make. And then they just hand it to you. And it's like, <laughs> here's poster board with seven <laughs> pictures on it. That's like, what, I wrote the me, rest like, marker. That's what the Internet was made for. Like those like this is what it looks like. This was my attempt. Like, <laughs> like those like those are some I, of my I favorite just, things, like the, the horrendous like things that come out. I see a massive Pinterest fail in my head, which don't get me wrong, could be like fun and funny to do that for your partner. And like, I'm all for like, take a risk, make something artistic. I think more, this is not really an issue with the advice. It's more her assertion that, and it will be a beautiful piece of art you will share. You will share it. <laughs> you will love it. It will be beautiful. People, you'll put it in your living room and they'll be like, what's this collage <laughs> of I'm, magazine I am, clippings? I am a thumbs up on the idea of like, some kind of uh, creative gift that you try to create for your partner. And also thumbs up on the idea of knowing that if it's total shit, that that's fine and that you and your partner can have a good laugh at how bad it is. <laughs> and that that is joining. That that's is what's good. joining. Right? The other thing I would just like to say to all the men out there, just be really careful and definitely know your partner. Because a lot of women like to do vision boards. And it's a big thing. It's a big thing on Pinterest. And you don't want to do a vision board by accident for your lady. Like, why did you pick all these, like, super fit young chicks and, like, put them in this collage? You know? It can get you in trouble. It can get you in trouble. Like, if she had a vision board in her bedroom where she wakes up every day to be motivated, and then all of a sudden you gave her a collage that kind of looks like her vision board, don't you think that could blow up in his face? I think there are a lot of ways this could go awry if you just... <laughs> I'm not going to lie to like if I mean this clearly Ellen Creeman is coming from a very heterosexual perspective. Right. So like if, you know, you're trying to like find imagery to represent your love for a partner, I get a little worried about then you using like magazines to do that only because a lot of the female representation in magazines tends to be little pressuring, little unrealistic, often doesn't make people feel so good. You're and it welcome, might be well boys out there listening and girls I would, I would and say... everybody, all of our folks out there in the University of Pleasure, you're welcome. Be careful. Make sure they don't have a vision board. Take it from Jeremiah James, who may have made that mistake. And <laughs> really, the last I one, I, Doc. I, I don't really know what a vision sorry. board is. So. You don't know I what a vision board is? Yeah, we don't need to get into it. I'm sure I can just Google it later, but I don't really know what you're referring to when you say it. I don't, how do you not know this? Aren't you like a, a... I mean, I know that I can understand the concept of a vision board, but like, have I seen people's vision boards? Not really. Okay. All right. The last one. I'm interested to see what you think. Message in a balloon. Again with the balloon? <laughs> Come on! It's the same thing again. It's the same. I you saw a message in a balloon. Some of, the, some of the listeners, please, Jeremiah, can you please read it? And I think you're going to have to explain to the listeners. <laughs> so Ugh. folks out there listening, if you did listen to this past episode that had this same, uh, our volume one of this topic, uh, message in a balloon was one we talked quite a bit about because I was like, this is, this is horrible. It sounds like a lot of work. And she put it in this one again. The same <laughs> thing. Message in a balloon. Put a message in balloons about why she's so wonderful. For example, 
You have a great sense of humor. You are a terrific kisser. I love your body. Blow up the balloons and fill her car with them. Put a long needle on the windshield with a note saying that only way she'll be able to get into her car is if she pops each balloon and read the message. <laughs> Sorry. When we talked uh, about this the last time, we made it very clear. If I came on after a long day of work and I was tired of shit and my car was full of balloons, I would not be thrilled if I had to pop I, every balloon in that process. I mean, that just... Right. Like, even, just, if balloon, well, even, even if the car was at home and I needed to go out and I'm like, God, I'm starving. I'm going to go get a pizza. And there's full of balloons and the thing I had to pop every balloon. Oh, man. It's a lot. Yeah. of There's a lot. I, I'm, I struggle with the balloons. But <laughs> if I may, just a real like just interesting note. If you remember, because I was really upset about the balloons last time. If you remember in the last time. Ellen was very insistent that you do the balloons in the man's car while he was at work so his co-workers could enjoy <laughs> watching him <laughs> pop all of the balloons, which, A, real uh, boundary crossing of workplace professionalism, but and lot, there was a lot of that There's in a lot the first that, one. Yes. But if you notice, she doesn't say anything about work, probably because women, per Ellen Creeman, are not assumed to be working. There you are. You're welcome, Doc. Oh volume gosh. two i don't think she has any more books or at least i'm yeah I, you you're gonna have hope to not because if you're they're gonna out there outside your the... old pal's gonna find them and you're gonna get hit in volume three with a little <laughs> bit more knowledge listen this is helpful for you so doc gave the first one was a thumbs up thumbs down second one was thumbs up thumbs down and the second one was the third one was two thumbs down <laughs> because it was the I same just, <laughs> i don't endorse this balloon <laughs> Like, it's just a real, it's so, so big. And unless you, again, I think all of them, I'd say, you need to really know your partner. Need to know your partner. Need to know him. Well, that's all we have for you today at the University of Pleasure. Thank you, Doc, for all that you do and being such a rock star for so many people and going along with me, giving you a hard time. I appreciate you, appreciate everything, and... Uh, I'm glad to see your face after the holidays. It just brings me joy. And thank you to all those people out there that uh, are keeping us safe like we always talk about. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful week. And we will talk to you all again soon. Right, Doc? Absolutely. All have right. a good day. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs>